then my agents knew him, Long and I told my agents I was going to have him on the show. And oh, okay. So, so I started talking to people. It's a gridiron stud show and a promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Calamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts. Amo and Chad with your breakfast toast. Is that us? I think we're on here. That's us. Hello, it's Friday, March 10th, 2017. Chad Wilson, Emil Calamino. It is the Gridiron Stud Show, and we got a treat for you guys today. Uh, Emil, it's it's that time of year. we got NFL free agency. Did you know this was like the NFL offseason? Were you aware of that fact? Because they're all over the place. Yeah, some, somewhere I figured that out. You know, it's hard to figure out, right? Because they would never let you know that, but I figured it out. Yeah, there's more talk now about uh, the NFL than, uh, hell, I dare say when the season is going. So uh, NFL Combine just finished. We've got uh, NFL free agency, big money being thrown around. And uh, we have a very, very special guest on the show today that's going to talk to us about all of that. He's the lead draft writer for Bleacher Reports. Matt Miller is going to join us here. If you've been on Twitter and you're into the draft and NFL and all that stuff, you may have seen his work. Uh, Man tweets an awful lot. He gets a lot of questions. And um, he's someone I respect in this uh, world of draft analysts because there are just so many. Emil, have you happened to notice? Maybe not as much as I have, but everyone's a draft analyst. Yeah, it doesn't take much to get that credential, I guess, anymore. You just, you know, you call yourself that and you are one. Oh, credentials a lost word in this day and age of social media. All you've got to do is slap, uh, you know, the title up in your in your banner or in your bio on uh, one of these social media outfits, whether it be Facebook or uh, Twitter or anything like that. And then there you are. You're a draft analyst, yeah. so you're a recruiting analyst. Well, you know, it's funny, too, that I've always said this. The mock drafts, I, you know, I know what they're trying to do, and I get it. You know, they have to have something for people who are reading the offseason, so you can't criticize a media outlet. But I do criticize fans for being so stupid as to actually put that much stock in a mock draft because, obviously, it's a set of dominoes. And the once one domino falls or changes early, every other subsequent you know, domino goes with it. So, you, you know, it's almost impossible to do – a legit mock draft because you know, you don't know what trades are going to happen and where and you know I mean it might be fun to look at and I guess it's something to read when we're bored but fans put way well, too Emil, much I don't stock think any of these that. guys expect to hit 100%. Um, they have to know that they know this whole thing about free agency but fans are so hungry so starved for NFL content and draft and they love to speculate about who's going to go where you know I see all this in the recruiting they love to speculate about it, where a kid's going to sign to and who he's going to commit to. We've got the same thing going on in the draft. And so with that big pit sitting there that needs to be filled, you get a bunch of uh, draft analysts that um, are eager and ready to um, feed that hunger that fans have because they just want to know who their team is going to pick. You're like, who are the top? Oh, absolutely. And I'm not criticizing. That's their job. I mean, they, they, for whatever media outlet they work for, analyze the draft. And obviously, you know, they put out mock drafts. I have no problem with that. Um, I mean, you got to put something up to read if you're at cbssports.com or wherever you work, Bleacher Report. My problem is that the fans actually, like, you know, uh, such and such said, we're going to, you know, take such and such at number 13. Well, okay. I mean, <laughs> right. You know, I mean, think you, think yeah, logically, I, you, know, you know. You know what, Amol, I will say this. Some are a whole lot better at this whole mock draft thing than others. Um, and, you know, the you know our guest, Matt Miller, I've been following for a while, um, long before this particular draft, which obviously I have um, particular interest in, but I've always been a guy that's followed a draft. You've been listening to us for the last five years that we've been on this show. Um, it's a big deal for us here. We talk about it a lot, uh, but he's, he does very, very good work, and you can tell he does his homework and that he has contacts and connections. You've got a lot of guys out here on Twitter just uh, spitting out whatever they can, and they've talked to no one. They know nothing, and they're out here. Uh, quote unquote, being an analyst, and you know, obviously. Oh no, he's good. I mean, I'm not just saying it because yeah. he's on the show. I've, I, I, like I said, I follow Bleacher Report. Well, he wouldn't I've be on the show if he wasn't good. Let's just lay that out there for everybody. 
Well, that's that's true too, you know. But no, he he yeah. is good. He does his homework, and you know, you know how much I've had fun over the years with with ESPN. I mean, some of their stuff, especially in baseball season, cracks me up. It's like they make up trades in their own head, these guys, and report them as if like you and I were sitting at a bar, and I say, hey, you know, how about a trade between our teams? And you know, we make it up, and then we we send it out to uh, on our Twitter account. I mean, that's kind of what I feel like I'm getting sometimes. It's no short you're right. of it, it's just that ridiculous too with the NFL and the draft. Um, guys, you know, fans will put together a mock draft for their own team. So let's say you're a Philadelphia Eagles fan, and uh, they'll do something like uh, Mike Williams in the first round. Leonard Fournette in the second round, uh, Quincy Wilson in the third round, um, you know, Miles Garrett in the fourth round. Hey, man, you're not, that's not happening, okay? Not, yeah, not getting I know. those guys in those rounds, for God's sake. I mean, it was kind of like Miles Garrett. He, he acted like a fan for a little while, uh, you know, when he said, please, please, Jerry, draft me. Do you remember that when he was saying, please, Jerry, yeah. trade Tony Romo to the Browns? It's like, wait a second, Miles, listen, now you're thinking like a fan. Why would the Browns want to give up the number one pick for a guy held together by scotch tape? (laughs) Yeah. um, So, you know what? With with you saying that, let's hop into this thing. Emil, you almost – I know you're a guy that gets the – you get the the alerts on your phone. I'm not yet at that point, um, though I'm on Twitter (laughs) a good deal of the day. Um, If you don't have that around this time of the year, you're going to miss stuff, okay, especially yesterday. By the moment you read about one – trade or signing there was another one coming down the pike so so where do we start here do we start with the tony romo saga no no we've got to start with something i'm still trying to wrap my mind around okay the browns have like 11 picks this year yes and they had like 10 next year now they have 11 okay and and you know people are trying to explain this to me i understand what they did i'm not um, you know, I get it. Okay, well, one guy's saying, well, it's a typical NBA salary dump, or it's a typical – I get that. What the Browns did yesterday, though, still perplexes me. They went, for those of you who don't know, and traded their – they they traded their sixth-round pick, okay, uh, or their fourth-round pick in 2018 mm-hmm. yes. to the Houston Texans. And in return, in return – they got the Texans' second-round pick, the Texans' sixth-round pick next year, right. and mm-hmm. Brad Osweiler. Now, what, yeah, what, why is that significant? so bad you can't even get his first name right. But carry Yeah, on. I can't. But what is his first name? Is it not Brad? Is it Brent? What is it? Brock. A much Brock. stronger name. Bro- okay, Brad. I call okay. him Brad. Yeah, at least no, I got Brad's, Osweiler. Brad's That's the, the harder part. Anyway, coffee at Starbucks. Okay, Brock. <laughs> you know, it's not like I forgot Joe Montana's name. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, listen. Brad doesn't speak of pocket presence. When you say Brock, he's standing tall in the pocket, finding guys. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, Brock is now a member of the Browns. Well, here's why it's significant. The Browns basically are picking up his contract. Uh, which is guaranteed next season, and then after mm-hmm. that they can get rid of him. But they have right. to pay him sixteen million dollars. Let me repeat sure. that: they got to pay him sixteen million dollars. Now they have no intention of, so they say, of letting him play for mm-hmm. the Cleveland Browns. Supposedly they're going to cut RG three. They're going to try right. to trade him. Now they're obviously going to have to eat some chunk of that money if they can trade him at all. Okay, no doubt it's going to be a large chunk. My guess is eventually they're not going to be able to trade him or. They're going to eat $12 million, but they're going to eat between 12 and $16 million, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. And they've essentially bought a second-round draft pick. Now, I guess where I'm questioning that is you just paid, let's say it's the full $16 million for the second-round pick. You've mm-hmm. already got 10 picks next year. Okay, Now you're going to draft a guy in the second round. You're going to pay him good money with no guarantee. I mean, there are no guarantees. We know that in the draft that the guy isn't going to just flat out suck on top of it. Mm-hmm. I don't get the Browns. I just I, – I, I don't get it. Don't get that move. Uh, Amos, should I cue up the song by Lil Wayne, Money to Burn? I mean, I guess they got it. They're going to burn it. Um, yeah, I saw tweets yesterday like, can anyone figure out what the Browns are doing? You can't figure out the Browns, okay? You can't. You're just going to have to roll with it, Amos. 
And just don't for any minute start thinking you're smarter than the Cleveland Browns, okay? So don't even start down that road. They have a master plan in place. And well, let's, wait, 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 wait. I, let's stay on the Browns. Let's stay on the Browns. They got money to burn, okay? They don't have a quarterback. We, we've addressed that. Their left tackle's Joe Thomas, one of the best in the business, under contract. Right. So yesterday, mm-hmm. they go out. They make Kevin Zietler, I want to say, out of Wisconsin, formerly of the Cincinnati Bengals, definitely right. one of the top five guards in the league. I mean, if I was ranking guards, he's up there right behind the Zach Martin. All right, and, so they're building the uh, trenches. So far, so yeah, good. Yeah, so they pay him $12 million a year. He's going to be the highest-paid guard in football until Martin tops that contract this summer. But that's a lot of money, okay? Mm-hmm. Five years, $12 million a year. Then they sign their own guy back. I'm never against that. Joe Benito, they give him six years, $51 million. So another, so they have $21 million a year committed to their offensive guards. They sign the center from the Packers at $6 bucks a year. Beautiful. You got, a, you got the makings of an offensive line. And now you got Cody Kessler at quarterback. Cody. Cody. <laughs> <laughs> He'll have all day to throw the ball to someone from the other team. Oh, man. <laughs> You're, uh, that's, isn't that guy a Trojan for crying out loud? How dare you do that? Well, I can't help it though. I, I throw that out when I just start. I just I'm watching this stuff. I was I was blowing your phone up yesterday. I'm watching this stuff roll in, mm-hmm. thinking to myself, why couldn't I have been born six foot two and fast? Because I'm watching these guys get paid yesterday, and they're paying guys that some of them are good football players, but they're paying them like they're Hall of Famers this year. I, sure, in my okay, life, so I've never signings, seen. All right? Let's cut the Browns out of this thing, Emil. Okay. What would you call the most egregious, all right? And y'all look that word up because I know, you know, it's a tough one. But which one would you say, like, the most ridiculous? Oh, God. I know you know. Don't even think about it. It's on your mind already. Don't try and act like you didn't have that ready. No, no, I I didn't think about this. Why? Did you have one in mind that you want to give Uh, to me? I mean, there was a... I mean, there's money being thrown around. I I, I know you're all over. I this mean, there's game. a couple. You're probably going to disagree with this because you like defensive backs. But okay, the kid AJ AJ Bo, I guess how you say his name B O U Y E. He's from the Houston Texans. He was an undrafted free agent. He's fourth year in the league last year. Really good season last year. Finally, in his fourth year in the league. I mean, he finally got to start. But I mean, he gets five years and sixty-seven and a half million dollars. From the Jags. And, you know, what I'm saying is it's not like this guy came in the first couple of years in the league, has been dominating for three years, four years, where he's a known commodity, he's 26 years old, and you're going to buy his prime years. You don't know if last year was just an outlier. I mean, what he so played on a really good. What, what was so great about last year? One interception, 16 passes, defense. Well, I, I'm going by pro football focus and trusting how they grade. I'm not Oh, my God. That. Did you I, just say that? I cut his mic. I know. No, I know, I know. That's what I'm trying to say. They're losing with me each and every day. You know what? I I might even ask Matt Miller if he follows at all anything being said by Pro Football Focus because they started off gangbusters, and the more I watch Emil, oh, my God. Chad, I've seen them great guys that I know are great football players, okay, and they'll say he's our our 27th-ranked offensive tackle. And, like, you talk to a coach or anybody that watches film or you read anybody that knows, and they'll tell you the guy's an absolute animal and is one of the best players at the position. So I'm with you on that. I'm just trying to say let's give them the benefit of the doubt. They said he had a great year. My point is you just paid this guy, even if he did have a great year. He had one great year in his first four. You just paid this guy $13.5 million. You paid him to be Deion Sanders. Well, okay. I mean, Deion in this age would certainly make a heck of a lot more. Um, well, he'd have to. That's, I guess that's the point. He would have to. He'd have to get paid yeah, $20 million a year. As we talked about in our show on Wednesday, is really just boils down to what is a player worth to them. Um, I'm going to have to agree with you, Emil. Um, it's a reach to – uh, you know, latest kind of money, Alpha Boy, unless you just are really in love with his potential and nothing gets a coach fired faster and harder than, than potential. But in four years. Well, let me ask you this. Stop before you go. Here's a question. You're planning your salary cap. Okay. You're planning it down the line. Okay. Right. So let's pretend Bortles lights it up. So you're going to eventually have to pay him. And if he doesn't, you're going to have to get another franchise quarterback and pay him. You've got Jalen Ramsey who came in on a rookie deal last year, okay? 
eventually you're going to have if he continues to develop you're going to have to pay him now you've already set the bench at 13 and a half million dollars assuming ramsey who you used the number 5 pick in the draft on i believe is a better mm-hmm. player than this guy right wait till his you deal either, comes up is that what you're saying you're either going to lose ramsey or you're going to have to pay him 17 million a year cuz you're going to say hey the guy on the other side that isn't as good as me makes 13 and a half well how about this thought process okay we got ramsey on one side this kid, by virtue of that, is going to probably be a better player by playing with a guy like Ramsey. And you know what? We'll just let things play out. Ramsey's got is in contract with us for another uh, three, maybe four years, depending on how we work that last year. I mean, if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, do you have long-term plans? You need to win right now, okay? Uh, I understand that, but if you look at the Jags, the, the thing that will consistently hold them back, and I mean, you know, you don't need Matt Miller or anybody to tell you this, is their offense. Okay, so they can build a defense. They signed Calais Campbell. He's 31 years old, really good player, six foot eight though, right. tall guys. I don't know how he holds up over time. He's been in the league nine years. They're paying him 15 million a year. Um, sure. They drafted a whole bunch of young guys last year. At the mm-hmm. end of the day, can they block anybody up front? I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe they fix that in the draft. And they still have a so quarterback who, that who honestly. Should they, who should they have added yesterday, or who should they be targeting in free agency to help that side of the ball? Um, since that's clearly where they need to help. Maybe there's no one to try. Well, I mean, I would, I would have been looking. I mean, if you're going to th- toss a bundle of money at somebody, why not some of those offensive linemen I rattled off before to at least fortify your offensive line so you can have some semblance of an offense where your quarterback doesn't look like a chicken with his head cut off running around throwing the ball to the other team. I mean, Bortles is what he is, but I mean, maybe he'd be a little bit better with some time. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, just, that next it, year. Okay, well, but you see where I'm going. I mean, it doesn't seem like they I have think, a, a, a. The Jaguars say this year we'll stop people. Next year we'll try and find out where the end zone is located. How about we do that? Baby steps, Emil. You want this thing done over? No, now. I Come think on. this is a classic example of what we addressed on Monday's show. They're bringing in people, and it's not necessarily with an eye. They may say it's an eye towards winning, but it's going to excite their fan base that they spent a hundred million or whatever it was yesterday. And I'm not sure that they're going to be remarkably better. I mean, they already brought in a bunch of young kids last year in the draft on defense. So Mm -hmm. the defense has been coming along. The issue in Jacksonville has been the offense, and it's the quarterback. And if he doesn't step up his game, it doesn't matter how much money they spend. Yeah, well, I I don't know. They seem to have a plan. That that at least uh, makes me happy. I'll say this. Jalen Ramsey's happy about it. Uh, He had a tweet out yesterday with a video um, and uh, he was voicing his pleasure at the moves being made by his football team. But, hey, you you are not an expert, neither am I, but we do have an expert, and he's going to be on with us next. Stay tuned. When we get back, Matt Miller, Bleacher Report, lead draft analyst, joins us here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoff. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over 600000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now!
Well, you know, uh, you're not on Twitter as much as I am. You're more of a Facebook guy. But if you fly through Twitter, um, you realize there's a lot of experts on things out there. And uh, as I said in the first segment that we're on, a bunch of draft analysts, um, and hey, they come with all kind of credentials. Some of them are like, uh, man, I've been watching football for all my life. Okay, so don't tell me about the draft and players. I, I know it all. I was there when Delholm hit Moosin Muhammad for the 80-yard touchdown in the Super Bowl. I know it. I know it like the back of my hand. Those are some of your analysts. I'm happy to have one with some true credentials, and that's our next guest. He was uh, He's a lead draft analyst writer for Bleacher Reports. Um, he's been featured on NFL Network, CBS Sports Network, SI, USA Today, all the big boys, okay, NFL teams, CFL teams, AFL teams have all used them. You know what I like the best, though, about our next guest is that he actually coached some football. All right. He was a secondary coach, so he knows something about DBs, and he was a special teams coordinator um, in Central Football League. He's coached some football, so he kind of gets it. He kind of knows what's going on. And he's also a member of the Pro Football Writers of America. So with that, I'm uh, extremely pleased to announce our next guest, and it's Matt Miller from Bleacher Reports. Matt, thank you for taking the time out to join us here on the Gridiron Stud Show. This is a busy time of year. Yeah, it's a busy time of year, but I'm happy to talk to you guys. Thanks for having me on. Yo, appreciate you. Yeah, thanks for coming, coming on, on here Matt. with us, Matt. Um, I've, I've watched a lot of what you do there on Twitter. and um, Listen, your, your knowledge is undeniable, but I can't help but see the sea of crap that comes your way on a daily basis from fans that are pissed off with what you have proposed for their teams. Part of the business now, right? It's weird because, uh, you know, when I started, when I started writing for Bleacher Report back in 2011, Twitter was kind of young and it was like, Oh, well, I'll try this out to, to get my work out there. And now it's like, like you said, I answered one question this morning and I, I swear to God, I probably got 250 questions since then. And it, it'll be the most random stuff ever. Like who should the 49ers draft it to? Well, I think they struck Leonard Fournette. And then you get 40 tweets of, that'll never happen. You don't know what you're talking about. Why would you? And it's like, it's just like little rabbit holes that you get sucked down into all day. So you got to be careful not to spend too much time on there because I could literally spend all day answering questions and fighting those fights and putting out fires on Twitter. Yeah, they definitely. definitely. This is good. Uh, this is Amal. I have a quick question for you. Do you have to stop yourself um, from getting sucked into just, just – debating fans sometimes and just say, you know, I can't win that, <laughs> you know, because you're never, you know, you're oh, never yeah. going to talk this, this person off the. It's like with, you know, politics, religion, and football are like the three arguments that you can never win, you know? So it, it is tough because, and, and I even have to set myself from getting in arguments with other analysts where it's just like, you know what, let's just see what happens in April. And then let's see what happens three years from now. And the great thing about Twitter is these tweets are archived. We come back and find them. We'll see who was right. Okay. So, that's um, it's kind of a snarky answer, but I do get that way sometimes where it's like, okay, you know, I've been doing this a long time, and I'm going to be wrong a good amount of time, but I, I've had my hits. So I'm going to be right, too, so let's just let's take a step back, and we'll see what happens when it happens. Yeah, Twitter's a wild place, but, again, we uh, I certainly have a lot of respect for your work. So let's dive into it. We just finished with the uh, NFL Combine. Um it's a, it's a real big deal for three, four days there, and then people talk about the results after it, and most namely the 40-yard dash because that's what people uh, really, really want to see. It's like the, you, know, you watch the whole Olympics, but what you're really looking for is a 100-meter dash. So um, with that being said, who are, the, who are the three guys that help themselves the most in, in this combine? Yeah, the, I mean, it's such a great class that it, it's almost hard to narrow it down to three guys. But I would start with maybe someone under the radar. Jordan Willis at Kansas State, he's defensive in there, led mm-hmm. the Big 12 at sacks this past year. And his numbers compared to Jadavion Clowney, Vaughn mm-hmm. Miller, Demarcus Ware, Cleo Mack, like it, it's crazy how well he tested at 6'3", 255. So he is someone had a great season, had a great senior bowl, had a great combine. So I would say his stock is on the rise, especially compared to where I had him at like early in the season where I kind of thought he was just a straight line guy who couldn't really bend a whole lot. So Jordan mm-hmm. Willis is definitely flying up. Um, Obi Malafonu, the safety from UConn, I'm not sure yet how good of a football player he is, but right. he's a great athlete. And to be 6'4", 224, he ran a 4'4 flat, uh, broad jumped almost 12 feet. I think it was 11'9", he broad jumped. So when you see numbers like that, 
it's going to turn heads. And I mean, like you guys know, football is not all about athleticism. It, I mean, it helps. You always sure you want the bigger, faster guy, but instincts, sure. awareness, timing, uh, aggression, all those things make up a great player too. So he's definitely turning heads though with just how good he looks on the hoof. You know, like he just he looks like a player. Uh, the other guy, Miles Garrett. Like everyone, I think kind of agrees right now. He's if not the best player in this draft, he's one of the best players. I think he solidified that standing with his combine performance. So the way mm-hmm. I was always taught to scout is you want to use the combine to like correlate what you see on film. You want it to match right. up. If it doesn't right. match up, that's where you got to go back and do more work. So like with the kid from UConn, Melifonwu, I have mm-hmm. so much work left to do on him because I saw him live at the Senior Bowl and you see him at the combine and you watch his film. Those three things don't really match up for me right now. So I'm trying to figure out you know, who is this guy? Is he a blank canvas that's, that's really athletic or really raw? Or is he a guy who's, who's just going to flash some numbers and not make plays on the field? I, I do have this quick question for you. In, pre- in preparation for a draft, how much film, give us an idea of how much film you have to watch on prospects. Watching and yeah, how much lot. film do you figure you watch? It, it's, it's, God, it's a lot because it's a year-round process. Like, this is my – it's my only job. It's my full-time job. So this is what I'm doing all the time. Um, for quarterbacks, I will see every pass that they make in college. So oh, wow. like Trubisky and, and Watson and Kaiser and all those guys. I'm not there yet, but I will be uh, in the next six weeks. Um, for corners, I like to see their last two years if possible. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's not always possible to get every game. So um, the last two years is kind of my basis. I won't comment on a player until I've seen three games. Like that's just my own personal rule. Okay. Um, I, I try to see at least five games before I write a scouting report on a guy. And, and there are some players I can watch one game and be like, yes, I want that guy. Or you can watch mm-hmm. one game and be like, nope, no thanks. You know, so it, it's hard to do. Like, I'm a, I'm a one-man show. I do have, you know, three assistants who help me out from January until the draft. But like, it's me watching the film, writing the notes, making the evaluations, grading the players. They're kind of here to help me do – you know, injury information, background stuff, uh, combine measurements, things like that. Matt, let me ask you a question about, you know, the comic. Chad and I were talking about this on Monday, and, I, and actually your way of explaining it was probably the, the most common sense way I've heard a scout explain it. Because to me, I look at the combine as I, I separate the players into big school guys, guys that played against top-notch competition and have long careers where there's a lot of film and you can watch a lot of games and really get a flavor. So I tend not to focus as much on their, their, their times, their 40, their bench press, unless of course it's just, you know, really ridiculously out of whack. But I think that for me, I think the guys from smaller schools have the best chance to help themselves at a combine because obviously you have to weigh the competition they played against. Do you feel that way or am I wrong in, in saying that? No, I definitely feel that way because it, it's a level playing field. So if you're, uh, you know, if you went to Western Michigan, and you're Corey Davis, that you can't you can't say anything about. Okay, well, I played in the MAC. Okay, well, but when you get out on the track, everything's equal. And so, I mean, he right. might be a bad example because he wasn't able to work out. But you know, there are a lot of guys like that. Forrest Lamp from Western Kentucky has dominated every level that he's been asked to dominate. Played well against Alabama. Looked good in testing. Looked good in the Senior Bowl. Like. So I, I do think with small school guys, you almost have a little more to gain. And there's something to that surprise factor because, you know, a lot of, a lot of you know, scouts, they're just getting introduced to, to the entire class right now. Like they're, they're so bunkered down to their area. You know, if you're a, a Big 12 scout, you haven't seen any of these other, other guys play. So this is kind of your first exposure to them. And I think that can be an area that really helps. Like if you've never seen Zay Jones before, and you see him at the combine, you're like, damn, this kid looks pretty good. And then you go back and watch the tape, maybe because you're doing wide receiver cross checks, you might fall in love with the kid. So it, it definitely helps if you're a small school guy because, you know, if you're a scout on the road and it's Saturday night and you get back to the hotel room, like you're not watching East Carolina. You're not watching Troy. You know, you're, you're probably watching, you know, Ohio State and LSU and Michigan and Alabama. And don't you feel more comfortable as a scout if you have a kid, let's let's use Alabama, for example, or Ohio State or any school like that. 
don't you feel more comfortable with the film that you've watched that 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 you look and you say, well, you know, I, I don't know if the if the guy ran a four or six, I expected him to run a four or five, but you know what, I watched him on film and I've seen him against the best competition. I'm I'm pretty convinced he's a football player. I mean, do you feel like that yeah. a little bit more like that exactly. as opposed to, yeah. I have this question. Um, You have guys that go to the combine and perform exceptionally well on all of the tests, as as you referred to with Obi. Then you have other guys who don't perform uh, as well, but they were they produced quite a bit in their college football career. So, should we be more impressed with a guy who has performed at a very high level, playing top notch football when he didn't have all the measurables, or should we be more concerned with a guy who couldn't produce? Um, given the fact that he could run fast, jump high, and execute all of the drills with perfection, which which where would you lean on that? I always feel like you have to have context with scouting. So, like if there's a guy who, um, you know, isn't going to run fast but produce for two or three years, like film is ninety percent of my grade at least. Okay. So I'm always going to lean more heavily to that. Uh, so if there's a guy who didn't produce, um, but he's a great athlete, I want to know why he didn't produce. So like O.J. Howard, okay, he didn't produce because he wasn't featured in the scheme. Like, you know, I pretty much agree with that. I remember Sammy Watkins at Clemson, uh, and I had a lot of other analysts being like, oh, he, he can't run deep routes. He doesn't have a vertical game. Well, that wasn't true. He just was never asked to do it. So right. you have to really dig in. And that's where, like, there's no substitute for being the guy who actually watches the film because you're going to know that, okay, Mike Williams is not going to run fast, but no one has stopped that kid like, other than that goalpost he ran into right last year. So, right. Like, exactly. Nothing has stopped him. Like he, he was the best player on the field against Alabama. Like, so Clearly. that's where I think it, it doesn't matter as much, you know, or uh, Jamal Adams ran a four five and everybody was mm-hmm. freaking out about it. Like right. if you've watched football the last three years, Jamal Adams is one of the best players in the country. So I'm not too worried about that. Like I'm, I'm confident that when the pads come on, and, and that adrenaline starts flowing. Jamal Adams is going to run people down, and he's going to make plays. So it, you have to have you, you definitely have context, context for production, context for athleticism. Like mm-hmm. it, it needs to match somewhere, basically. So that Matt, I've up- always felt like the forty-yard dash was the uh, football's equivalent of the radar gun in baseball. I mean, the minor leagues is littered <laughs> with ninety-eight mile an hour fastball guys who can't get anyone out. And I've always felt like you know everybody fans love the forty because you know. It, it's fun. You can time it. You see who the fastest guy is. But, I mean, how many times does a guy really, really run 40 yards untouched in a football game? Yeah, if it happens, you're, you've done something else or someone has messed up. So what I always tell people is the 40 and the bench press are there because the combine is a TV show now. And, like, exactly. they are important for comparing – we could take 45 corners and have them all around the 40, and it's a standardized test. It's like the SAT. Okay, mm-hmm. we got a score for that. But just like the SAT doesn't really tell you how smart you are, the 40 doesn't really tell you how good of a football player you are. So it, it is, but it's become so televised. So, you know, things like the three-cone drill, which I love for corners. You don't see it on TV because nobody cares. Or, you know, I, I want to know the 20-yard shuttle for corners, super mm-hmm. important to me. Mm-hmm. You're not going to see it on TV. So it's it's weird because the NFL is almost selling this false narrative of, guys, 40 matters and the bench press matters. And as a scout, those are the two things I care the least about that happen at the combine. Yeah. I mean, uh, I've seen, I saw more advertising on the NFL network coverage of the combine than ever before. So that would lend itself to the point that you made about it being a, you know, more of a television production than anything else with, uh, with that, with all that stuff being said, let's talk about Dalvin cook. Uh, His numbers were a little surprising to, to many uh, watching the draft. Uh, where does that though leave you? I, I obviously four four nine. Some people expected faster. Shuttle times weren't that great, and you know, almost everything that he was tested on there was below where people expected. So I guess it had Dalvin Cook on this great big athletic pedestal, which he is a tremendous athlete. I've seen the kid since youth football. Where did you stand on Dalvin Cook going into the combine, and has anything changed since he's exited the combine for you? He's an interesting guy to talk to me about because Florida State fans hate me right now um, because of Dalvin Cook. I have him as my number four running back, and it's not all on the field, but the, the combine testing was disappointing because, like you said, he has been billed as this explosive Jamal Charles-type running back. And so a 4.49 at 210 pounds is not good. Uh, a 30-and-a-half-inch vertical jump, which – 
vertical jump isn't about how high you can jump. It's about how explosive your lower body is. So mm-hmm. that's not a good time, a, a good jump for his size. Uh, the three cone drill seven, almost seven, three is not mm-hmm. good for his size for a smaller back. Mm-hmm. So you see those numbers and that, so like we were talking about earlier, that doesn't match the film because he looks, he looks quick on film. So automatically wonder what's going on there. Like, right. has he been training? Like, where's he, what has been going on since the season ended for him to not come in here and dominate? And right. I have concerns about past injuries. You know, he's had, I, th- I think, two shoulder surgeries, mm-hmm. um, which is a problem for me because he fumbles. He does have a fumbling issue. Um, he's mm-hmm. had hamstring issues. Um, and then you, you get to the other off-field stuff where he's had some problems. You know, he's had uh, run-ins dating back to high school. And uh, he's never never actually been convicted of anything. That'll but... piss Florida State fans off when you start talking about that. Oh, Oh, God, they get real mad. And they automatically yeah. want to go to, like, they want to go to, oh, well, Joe Mixon hit a girl. He did. It's awful. Yeah, but we're not talking about Joe Mixon. We're, right. You know, it's like we're talking about Dalvin. But so, like, the well, Matt, that's, that's, the old, that's the old argument that everybody makes if you tell them smoking is bad for you. I had an uncle that smoked. He lived to be 90. Well, he's the outlier. I mean, yeah. right. it doesn't exactly. mean you should smoke. Exactly. And with, with the way that I, I do my job and the way that teams do their job is, obviously, like, like Mixon's issue is really bad and it's disgusting. And it's, it happened on camera, and because of that, he was convicted. With mm-hmm. guys like Dalvin Cook or Dee, Dee Westbrook, or there's a handful of them in this class, they've never been convicted of anything. But there's still a right. pattern of run-ins. And so mm-hmm. that's, what you, that's where you get into the, okay, well, did he make a mistake or is he a bad kid? If you, right. if you have four run-ins in the last four years, that's kind of a problem for me. Like I start to worry about at what point do I, you know, does that become a concern? So it's like – all these red flags are not created equally, but it, it's unfortunate because we just kind of put a you know a big general label on them. But with Dalvin, you definitely have to worry about that because there is there is a bit of a pattern going on right here. So between the injuries, mm-hmm. the fumbles, and the off field, I'm a little bit lower on Dalvin Cook than Florida State fans think I should be because well to them he should be the number one player in the draft. Of so, course, yes. <laughs> so I'm a little of bit course. lower, of course. Yeah, and that's that's how that works. Let's turn to, to Amel's favorite subject because, frankly, I'm tired of the guy. But it's Quincy Wilson, um, a <laughs> cornerback out of Florida. Um, I kind of know the guy. Um, you've been an ardent supporter. He's remained your cornerback, number one cornerback in this draft for quite some time, much to uh, the, the chagrin of other fans of other schools who have seen insist that he should not be, and they're trying to coerce you in any way possible to move him off of that. Uh, tell us why you're that strong about Quincy, and uh, at what point did you get on him uh, being that number one cornerback for you? Yeah, so like you were talking about in the intro, like my background is, you know, I played safety, played corner in high school, and I wasn't very good, but mm-hmm. just because I was kind of short. Um, <laughs> but I appreciate I the honesty. The, yes, I'm not going to lie to you. There's too many people who know that I was not very good, but I always understood the technique. And so when I, when I moved into coaching, it was, okay, well, what, what do I want to coach? Well, I want to coach quarterbacks and D-backs because I understood, I understood those positions really well. Um, so, like, I've used that in scouting as well. To I, I kind of look at it the way I coach it. So with Quincy, I see a guy who is prototypical NFL build for what the league is going to. They're 6'1", 210 to 215, long arms, big hands, um, and plays physical. So sometimes you've got big guys who play small. He doesn't have that problem. So the play strength is exceptional. Um, to answer your question, when did I get on him? It was actually last year because I was studying uh, Vernon Hargraves and I was studying uh, the safety who came out of there, the big guy, uh, Keanu Neal. And mm-hmm. my eye kept going to the to mm-hmm. Quincy and to Jared Davis. And right. just, so you, you get caught, you know, looking at these other guys and it's like, well, who's this? You know, who's, mm-hmm. who's number six out there? Because right. he looks pretty good. And so – so from there over the summer, you know, I dove in and studied more of his tape. So I think he became my number one corner in about September. Um, and, and up until that point, I want to say my number one corner was his teammate, uh, Jalen Tabor. And right. just the more I watched, the more I liked Quincy's style of play. Um, I liked what he was doing with light and scrimmage, liked his recovery skills, his ball skills, his strength. And, and then, you know, you dig in and you ask coaches about the kid. You know, what's the character like? What's the background like? You know, mm-hmm. what, what's his football IQ, and when everything comes back positive, it's, those are the easy guys for me to, like, jump on and stay on. You know, like, last year my number one receiver was Michael Thomas from Ohio State. Everyone told mm-hmm. me I was stupid. Everyone told right. me I was wrong. 
Right. And he had like 90 catches as a rookie. So sometimes you just see those guys and it's just like, you know, the heavens open and you're like, that's a football player. Like I, I want that kid. So it, it makes that some guys are really easy to evaluate. I think Quincy's a really easy one. Some guys, you know, like we're talking with Dalvin Cook, there's a lot more that goes into it and it becomes a harder eval. Okay. Um, you know, you, you, you seem to be like, you know, ahead of the rest of the national media in, with Quincy, because, you know, other, other outlets, you know, I've seen him as low as like the fifth corner. I've always, you know, Ch- Chad is, you know, it's, a, it's his dad. So, you know, I always comment on our show that I think that he's being way undervalued when you com- when you look at the size-speed combination. I mean, I, I've seen other guys ranked higher, and I just don't know how you can't get excited about getting a corner who's played at that level, you know, in the best conference, I feel, still in college football, uh, you know, speed, with speed. his size-speed combination. Yeah, and a guy who I, – I pulled up my notes really quickly. A guy who gave up 16 catches this year. Like, mm-hmm. that's it? Yeah. 16 catches. Like, that's – Trust me, I remember that's every last one. I don't think people understand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you, that's, that's not both. very many because, you know, most of them came against – you know, in the middle of the, the year. So, you know, I think South Carolina was 25% of the catches he gave up this year. So – um, yeah, it is weird because I think people get so caught up on athleticism, you know, and like Marshawn Lattimore is a great athlete and he would mm-hmm. probably be a little better fit playing off coverage. Um, mm-hmm. it, but again, you know, kids had a hamstring injury every year for the last three years. So that, that concerns me. Um, mm-hmm. you know, Jalen Tabor is a good player, but there's a lot more to that picture that you have to worry about. So when I look at Quincy, I just kind of see, and I think Gary and Colin from Ohio state is another kid who's like this. It's just a pretty mm. easy evaluation. As long as mm. their coach understands their strengths, you should be able to put them in a position to play early and play very well very early on. And so this, this kind of your, – your response to that kind of begs this question. Um, how much do you talk to, to, to personnel from the schools where the players come from, and then how much contact and connects do you have with the NFL teams and general managers and decision makers – um, I think that would help a lot of people who are listening to this program. Yeah, so, I mean, without naming names, I try to talk to all the big schools. Um, it, it, especially, you know, it's harder to talk to the head coach anymore just because they're so busy. But, you know, now that we have these uh, director of player personnel guys, they're a dream for people like me because they're kind of under the radar, but no one knows the program better than them because they're dealing with, you know, everything the head coach doesn't want to deal with. So the football ops guys, at college are great and then uh on the pro side i mean i I don't know if i have someone i routinely talk to from all 32 teams but and there are it's close to that you know there's i at least know someone either a coach or a scout Mm -hmm. for for most teams and you know some of them are are great about helping out and others are like no you know not today kind of thing so don't they all lie this time of year though well that's the thing and i wrote about that today in my article it came out actually Yes, they do all lie, but that's where it's important to build relationships to where they're not going to lie to you because they're not, you know, they'll use someone else to advance their message. So, mm-hmm. you know, I've I've had lunch with guys at the combine last week who would be like, you know, hey, I'm not, let's not talk about that because I don't want to lie to you. And it's like, okay, I appreciate that. So, Good. it's, you know, 6 years of doing this, you try to develop those relationships where you know, if the Cleveland Browns want to lie to someone, I'm hoping they'll do it to a local beat writer and not to me, <laughs> you know, and also because Hopefully. I don't break a whole lot of news. You know, a lot of what I do is just I'm trying to get context and background from them. So sure. I think that makes the relationship a little bit different. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm uh, not going to name names. I'm not going to name names, but that's why I, I, I enjoy reading you so much. I was telling Chad before you came on, I, I like the Bleacher Report. I like reading you because I feel like some guys either they don't care or they don't know they're being lied to because they report stuff, and you're just you're just like, do you think he really told you the truth? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I was just, watching it's... one story unfold a couple of days ago, and I saw three different narratives from the same reporter about one player mm-hmm. in like a couple hours, and it was like, man, you just did a complete 180 on this. <laughs> like, and it's that's I guess that's the fun thing about Twitter is you can watch people's messaging change pretty quickly. So yeah, you can uh, be yeah, who you want to yeah. be. Yeah, and I just I try to trust my eyes first, and if um you know if a team tells me oh we we have Quincy in the third round, I'm going to disagree. I'm not going to drop him. I'm going to say, well, why do you have him in the third round? Here's what I see. Like, what are we not seeing that's the same? 
So I try to use those talks to make myself a better scout and not to react to, you know, I'm not going to move a player up or down just because a team told me that they think I'm, I'm wrong on a guy. Right. Well, you know, Matt, we can't have an expert on you like you on the show, okay, without, you know, letting you go with, you know, I can't let you off the hook. I mean, the, the joke on our show is <laughs> Chad doesn't have a professional football team. He swore off them in 1987 when the Rams traded Eric Dickerson when he was a kid. Okay. It goes that so, deep. Yeah, it goes that deep. He swore off. He just roots for the home team because he doesn't like the traffic in Miami and how people get angry when the Dolphins lose. I am the resident Dallas Cowboy fan, uh, diehard, okay? So I need to know from you, what direction do you think they'll go in the first round? I mean, it's a great draft if you need a corner. Will they go corner or will they try to, down a 28, find an edge rusher? That's where I've been going is with an edge rusher. You know, someone like Derek Barnett or, or Tackers McKinley. Just because the needs there now, a, a number two corner I think is a bigger need there than a lot of people realize. Um, just because of the where they're going, you know, as far as trying to get younger, trying to get faster on defense, trying to get cheaper on defense instead of having to pay a free agent. So I look at Dallas as a team that corner would be like this sneaky, you know, pick at number one, you know, pair somebody up with, especially if they lose Mo Claiborne in free agency, which is very very likely. Like that's probably an underrated move. But getting another edge rusher. Um, especially, you know, with Randy Gregory, who knows if that kid's ever going to play again. And, you know, guys like David Irving came on strong last year, but just due to free agency, I think another DN makes the most sense. Right. Well, I've right. got – yeah, hold on. I got a, I've got this question for you. Listen, I've, uh, I've, I've, I was in college, obviously, and uh, I do remember um, writing a full-term paper once on a book, and it was the wrong book, and turned it in and found out <laughs> it was the wrong book. So uh, I've got to ask you, you, you did a post-combine mock, and then we have a day like yesterday where all kind of uh, changes were made to rosters, um, and you get something like Cleveland getting Brock Osweiler, who has now uh, set up their franchise for multiple Super Bowls for, for, for years to come. <laughs> um, how does that now – doesn't that just like completely undo the post-combine mock that you did? How do you deal with that? It does. Yeah, no, it does, and – so I've just learned not to care because my editors want a mock draft after the combine and my readers want one. They don't care that it's going to be outdated in a week. So I'll do right. another one in a couple of weeks. But here's the thing. A million people read that mock draft. So mm. I'm happy with that. Right. So like right. And everything's like a, it's a, you know, a scattershot in time. Like this is what would happen today. This is what I'm hearing right now. And then you see the free agent plan and you're like, okay, well, this is how, this is how it changes. So I kind of like, People get on me all the time about that. Like, why do you do mock drafts so often? The answer is mm. really simple because people want to read them really often. And sure. so, like, I, I got two kids, so I'm going to put through college. So, if people want a mock draft from me every week, <laughs> I'll do it every week. I really don't care. Yeah, well, we, let me ask you we, this, Matt. Yesterday, right, were you sitting there? Now, I'm not unhappy for the player. I'm a free market guy, so if someone will pay you something to do something, God bless you. But were you looking at some of those contracts, scratching your head? Yeah, and I know the salary cap went up, but yeah, I always look at, at the deals. You know, like Mike Glennon getting the fifteen million that he got. And I know it's just like it's really a one year deal, you know, with team options, so you kinda always have to wait for the real numbers to come out instead of what gets reported right away. But yeah, I mean there are definitely times where you're looking at it and being like, Oh my gosh, you know, like I, I like Stephon Gilmore. I don't know if I like him for fourteen million dollars a year. It's, you know, like especially when you can get someone like Malcolm Butler, who you found as an undrafted free agent. So like, well, I, wait, I got one know. better. I got one better for you. Okay, I mean the one that struck me, and I'm I'm also the resident diehard USC Trojan fan on the show, and I can't believe Matt Khalil got five years and fifty-five million with about twenty-seven million guaranteed. I I, I, I can't get over it. that. It's like they signed the wrong Khalil, you know, like did they think Ryan was up? It, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. Exactly. It, it's a, yeah, it must be bad if he's going plan. after a Trojan like this. Yeah. It must be the worst contract ever because he's true to his Trojan. It's a bad contract, Chad. Much. It's a bad yeah, contract. Yeah, it, is. it really is. Yeah, well, listen, Matt, um, I, we could keep you on here for several hours, um, and I'm sure it would make all of our listeners happy. And you know what, man, I, I definitely want to do this again um, at, at least – at least a, a couple more times, if possible, before that actual day comes, man, because you're as good as they come at it. And you've more than qualified yourself on this show today. You got guys out there doing mocks and watching highlight videos and, and drawing a complete and total <laughs> conclusion on a guy. 
Well, that, that would be a lot easier, but I don't think I could keep my job for very long if, if I if I went that route. So yeah, absolutely happy to talk and and you know before the draft, then we can we can come on after and, and talk about that uh, the first round pick of whatever team Quincy's playing for and, and talk about how he fits there. So it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, hopefully it doesn't slide to the fourth round like this guy was arguing with yesterday. So we'll I, have see. A sh- I have a bet. <laughs> I have a bet that somebody said he was going third round. I said if he goes third round, I'm shaving my head. There's no way. So hey, Matt, uh, if he's on the board at twenty, if he's on the board at twenty-eight, does he get by my Cowboys? I say no. Oh no way. There's no way. Yeah, the, you're talking about a, a top ten, fifteen player falling to twenty-eight. I, I, that's an easy pick. Well, yep. Matt, uh, here's to all of us not seeing your scalp, and uh, we're definitely going to have you back on. All right. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks. All right. See you, Matt Miller from Bleacher Reports joining us here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Man, that was a great segment, Emil. Can't beat that. Guy knows his, the guy knows his stuff, and anybody who doesn't isn't on Bleacher Report, most of our listeners I know are walking around with smartphones. Uh, go and download the Bleacher Report app. It's a great. I'm telling you, it's a great app. You can set your teams up, what teams you like in every sport. You get you know, push notifications if you set up, like, the draft and free agency, and he's in there. You can read his stuff. I mean, it's good stuff. Yeah, you know, I think you sold me on that one. You've told me about it, but uh, I think I'm downloading that as soon as we get off of this show, man, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get that. I need my alerts around this time of year because, like, I was on the go yesterday, and every time I turned around, I felt like I missed five free agency moves. And so. I can't carry your ass. I mean, I'm sending you updates all day. I mean, well, listen, you're not job. on this show for your good look, so you might as well carry <laughs> something. You know, that's how that's going to work uh, for the foreseeable future, unless you find a good plastic surgeon somewhere in that up <laughs> in that Pennsylvania area. All right. Hey, Chad, before we get off today, I got I got one back. more horrible Trojan deal for you. You asked me the worst contract. I just yeah, found I'll tell you it. what, save it. Robert save it. Woods. Save it. We're going to go to the break. Okay. When we get back from the break, Abel's going to tell you about that next terrible Trojan contract. These Trojans are stealing money. They're they're, uh, they're robbing them blind in the NFL. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back right after this. You want the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills. And in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises, along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. I was good on my own, that's the way it was That's the way it was You was good on the love for a faded I'm so faded love What the f*** you complaining for We're back here for the final segment We're going to wrap up the Gridiron Stud Show here, man But man, Amo, was that not great Having Matt on? Oh my god, god the guy's a wealth of knowledge And you know you, you know that he, he comes from it you know, with with educated stuff, not just throwing stuff at the wall and hoping it sticks. And, you know, it's just it's a pleasure to get to talk to someone like that. You know what stood out to me? He said he sees every throw the quarterbacks make. Do you know how much film that is you've got to watch? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, if you're good at what you do, I mean, you know, you if he wants to be good at what he does, I'm impressed. Yeah, I, I mean, that's, a, that's amazing. I mean, and he's got to evaluate every position group. So just that alone – um, tells you how much time it takes to move into this. And then, you know, these guys, these uh, amateurs that are doing mock and NFL, they've come nowhere close. There's no way they could spend that amount of time because no one's paying them for their tweets about the NFL draft. There's no way they're spending anywhere close to that amount of time evaluating. So uh, I do got to give it up to Matt. And again, great follow on Twitter. If you like the NFL free agency and draft and all that, 
at NFL Draft Scout. You gotta you gotta get on and and uh, check Matt out. A great follow. Highly recommend. What are we closing this out? Yeah. With? Yeah. Well, you know, I have I was just going in. You, you know, I mean, I'm I'm trying not to pick on my team, but I'm trying to be honest here. You know, man, I saw Khalil's deal yesterday, and he's been hurt so much in his career, and he's a young guy. He's only about 26, 27. I'm guessing. He was like a turnstile at the end in Minnesota. And when I saw the Panthers ponied up five years, $55 million with 27 guaranteed, I actually reread the article to make sure I wasn't misreading it. Because I'm thinking mm-hmm. to myself, I, I mean, I figured he'd go somewhere on a one-year deal and try to revive his career. I, I honestly can't believe he got the money he got. And... You know, then I, I said, well, could there be a worse deal? And, and I honestly think the worst deal I saw yesterday, well, not for him, but for the team, Robert Woods signed with the Rams to replace uh, Kenny Britt, who moved on yesterday. Woods got five years and $39 million with $15 million guaranteed. You go look at Woods in Buffalo, man. At one point, he was bitching up there because he's a great blocker in the run game. He was just blocking. I mean, <laughs> I'm looking at the guy up there thinking, this guy just got $8 million bucks a year. That's uh, one of those you hope signings. Like, we just hope this thing works out. Um, but, man, Emil, it's a this is that amazing time of the year, and, and we're going to see more. Obviously, that's not the last one, but it's just astounding some of the numbers that you're going to see here during this free agency period. I'm glad that the league is growing like that. I'm glad that the revenues are there. I'm glad that these players are getting that kind of money. But you, I'm, you know, I think you and I have to agree. You do have to shake your head at some of these contracts that get put out there. Oh, I mean, you know, you know I again, we addressed this Monday. I understand why teams do it. I really do think – you know, you have to weigh what we're doing. We're looking at it as a football from a football perspective. They've got the business side of it to say we've got to get fans excited, and I, I understand that. But some of them are just—they're mind-boggling because at some point those bills come due on these things, and you may get to a point where you lose a guy you want. I mean, I—I I, I love the New England Patriots formula. If you watch what they do, they keep twenty to twenty-five guys that I'll call core guys, guys they feel are essential. Mm-hmm. Everybody else on the bottom half of that roster and sometimes the top is an interchangeable part. And they yeah. always feel like like Jamie Collins. Okay, we're, we're not going to keep him in Hightower. We think Hightower's better. They trade Collins a year early. They get a pick for him, and they win the Super Bowl without him. Um, they, they, you truly, know, they sign Amel, every year you're evaluated, and nothing's given to anyone there. And that's just the mindset. You better produce every year or they'll let you go. It just won't matter. Well, and I didn't want to cut in on Matt because I saw his point with Gilmore, and I pointed to you yesterday and said, listen, do I think Gilmore – is a $14 million a year corner. No, I think he's a very good player, though. And here's why they did the Gilmore deal after I looked at how it settled out. They got Gilmore for $14 million. Their guy, Logan Ryan, who's around the same age, a good player. Ryan signs for three years, $30 million or $10 million per year with the Tennessee Titans. Well, if you're in New England and you're going to spend $10 million a year on Logan Ryan, you probably feel you can slightly upgrade the position for an extra $4 million bucks. So in that in that sense of context, I say, sure, is Gilmore standalone? Is it an overpay? Absolutely. But if you look at it, they probably upgraded the position for four million bucks a year. True, man. There's a man. There's no telling what is going to transpire between now and the next time that we're on air. Um, it's it's you know more crazy stuff is going to happen. But this is the NFL, man. So here we are. We're tuned in. We should be talking about the uh, the the college basketball conference tournaments that are going on. We should be talking about this NBA playoff race and Durant being hurt and uh, why LeBron should be the MVP and they're hating on him and why Harden keeps turning the basketball over. But here we are. We're talking about the combine and the draft. NFL wins again. How about that? It always does. Yeah. And, well, you know who else was a winner? We were winners today. Our guest was a winner. We want to thank Matt Miller for coming on the show. But the winner, you know the real winners were. The winners were every one of you that listened to our show today, Amos. So um, we would like to thank all of y'all for jumping on and listening to us today and continue to make us a featured show uh, all across and everywhere. And I've got some exciting news that might be coming for us down the road as so as to where folks can listen to us 
now on the Gridiron Stud Show. We're going to make things a little bit easier. We're going to get a bigger audience, Emil. I'm really, really excited about it, but I'm going to hold myself together on this until it's completely and absolutely finalized. But very excited about the future of our show. But once again, thanks all of you for listening. For Emil Calamino, I'm Chad Wilson. You guys enjoy your weekend and the rest of your day. Yeah.